Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Richmond, and this special episode is part of our very popular admissions director Q&A series. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Jamie Shine from Stanford's Graduate School of Business. Jamie's title is Interim Assistant Dean for Admissions and Financial Aid, and she has a range of experience working at Stanford and in the private sector. I'm going to let her kind of unpack all that, but I did want to mention that what I think is fantastic about having her on the show today is that she's actually sat in the career services office, um, in the program office, and now in the admissions and financial aid office. And so this is kind of a rare occasion to have someone who's seen kind of, I guess we could say input, output, and, you know, kind of in-program things happening on campus. So uh, I wanted to welcome, Jamie, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Thanks, Graham. It's really nice to be here with you. And I also, I totally forgot to mention that you uh, did your MBA at Stanford. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, maybe from when you graduated, just give us the highlights of how you kind of landed in this current role and some of the things you've done at Stanford. Sure, happy to. Well, when I graduated from the GSB, I went into product management, as many of our alums or our grads today do. I stayed in tech and primarily enterprise software for about a decade. I was product manager, then director of product management, and eventually chief marketing officer in in different companies. Then I shifted focus for several years when my kids were growing up, and I served in a series of volunteer roles. Hmm. I was the head of our local um, elementary school district education foundation. I was on the governing board of that school district. And then, fun fact, I opened a neighborhood frozen yogurt store with a friend from the GSB where we ended up employing a lot of high school and community college um, kids. So that was a great experience. Interesting. Um, (laughs) And uh, when that chapter ended, uh, that's when I came back to Stanford. So I really enjoyed being connected with my community, and I felt like coming back to Stanford would be reconnecting to a different community. And uh, that has certainly been the case. I've been here for 10 years. Um, As you mentioned, um, I was in the MBA program office for six years where I ran uh, different co-curricular programs. I worked with faculty on the core curriculum and I led various strategic initiatives for the program. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I moved into career management and I led the career management center for four years and joined the admissions team this past June as interim assistant dean. Yeah, this is great. I mean, I, I I just can't help but think that your experience, you know, both in the program and on kind of what we call the output side, you know, with careers, has got to be incredibly useful as you work on the admissions side now. Um, so I guess it. I mean, I know that this is more of a recent role for you, but I did want to ask you, what's something you like about this work on the admissions side, and is there anything you don't like? Oh, that that yes, that's a great question. <laughs> um, and I guess I would answer that. Uh, looking at different sides of the same coin. So as an alum and through my years at the GSB, I've seen how transformational, I've seen and I've experienced how transformational business school can be. Mm-hmm. And we can offer that experience to a finite number of people every year. And so that's really wonderful to know that um the, the students who are coming in will really experience this, this wonderful transformational program. And then the flip side is knowing that there are others out there who could also excel in the program, and we are not able to offer them that opportunity. 
Yeah, that that is a, a great point. I feel I used to work in admissions too, and I always felt like yeah, there's there were plenty of people in the applicant pool who were totally qualified and could, as you say, excel in the program. And it's always that it, you know it it's great to give the experience to those who get in, but it is hard to say no um, to others. Yeah. Um, tell me about a Stanford stereotype that you'd like to debunk for our listeners. Well, uh, there is a myth that Stanford is only for students who are interested in entrepreneurship or tech. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to that is if you have those aspirations, then Stanford is a great place to study. We're in the heart of Silicon Valley, as as people tend to know. Um, I actually like to look at our strengths from a different angle. And what I believe Stanford and Stanford Business School really excel at are um, innovation. Mm -hmm. So, our faculty um, in different disciplines, marketing, finance, economics, um, demonstrate that. Two of our faculty recently won Nobel Prizes in economics. Um, and our students go into m- industries more broadly than tech and, and many um, join companies rather than start them. And they still are change makers. They're change makers across different industries and different fields. They go into everything from social impact to healthcare to venture capital to media. Um, they found companies and they join companies. So for me, one of the things I find really interesting, and I saw this uh, in the Career Management Center, was the diversity of post-GSB paths that our um, business school graduates take and how that really represents the diversity of their interests and their passions. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, um, you know, my view is when you go somewhere like Stanford, you can sort of do any number of things, you know, as you're pointing out, you know, that's always been um, kind of the world is your oyster, right? So I just feel like, yeah, the the opportunities are abundant. I did want to know, um, speaking of kind of just what's going on there in terms of, um, you know, people heading off into different fields, et cetera. But I did want to know, is there anything that you're particularly like wanting our listeners to know more about, like something that's maybe happening on campus or is going to happen that's planned um, that you just want people to know about? Yeah, there's something that's happening and is sort of rolling out at the same time. So we opened the, we, the university opened the door school of sustainability last year and That school is developing more and more offerings that our students um, will be able to take advantage of, and we expect our students to spend quite some time working with um, faculty from the Door School. There are opportunities across a host of different disciplines that that people can take a look at at the Door School website, Um, but things like sustainable energy, climate change, sustainable decision-making, and with the GSB and the Door School have jointly launched a program to support students who want to build public or private or nonprofit sector organizations that uh, take sustainability solutions to scale. So we're really excited to have that as part of our offering available to students. That makes sense. I will say we've been doing a little bit of research with our audience on not just the podcast listeners, but you know people who are looking at clearedmit.com and sustainability is like a recurring theme. I think it's sort of everywhere um, now in terms of you know um, a lot of the major strategy consulting firms are working with large companies who are addressing you know these issues now head on. So um, good timing there. Uh, I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about the application process. I know that's on the minds of many <laughs> of our. <laughs> 
listeners. And so I wondered if you could kind of just pull back the curtain and and walk us through the life of an application. I feel like, you know, on our end, you know, with candidates, they're, you know, they're spending hours and hours writing their essays and, and uploading their data forms and things. And then they press submit. And it's almost like this weird, you know, there's this silence, you know, and they and they don't know what's happening necessarily behind the scenes as they wait for the next step, which could be an interview invitation or something. So what happens on your end after someone presses submit? That's a great question. And that's um, where we are right now. So <laughs> um, the applicants press submit a couple weeks ago. And so we are we are busy, um, indeed, uh, focusing on those applications. And what we say in the office is that evaluating applications is part science and part art. We know that some things we can quantify, but other things we cannot. And that's because um, behind every application is a person. And we like to consider um, that individual holistically. Um, we look at their individual strengths uh, as well as their accomplishments. And also, it's also important for us to stay focused on and, and for applicants to think about the fact that we're really looking for an applicant's strengths. We're not trying to poke through and find weaknesses. We're trying to identify their strengths. So practically speaking, um, once the application deadline passes, our staff prepares the applications for review. And then over the next few weeks, our, our uh, staff members read all the applications and decide which of the strongest candidates we want to invite in for an interview. Mm -hmm. Then the interview ses assessments are added to the applicant's file. Then the admissions committee will review um, the file, the interview file in combination with the written application. Mm -hmm. And then on decision notification, our office emails all applicants and um, alerts them to log into their account to view their updated admissions decision. Um, and one thing I just want to close with this one is to say that we recognize the tremendous amount of time and effort that people put into their applications, just as you said. Mm -hmm. And so we like to honor that by ensuring that we too are spending time and effort to do a thoughtful and thorough review of every application. I did want to ask you a little bit about the essays. And, you know, if you had to give candidates one tip when it comes to, you know, producing the written content, um, what would it be? I would say to think, <laughs> to think a lot and then write. Um, we ask people about, we ask you all about your values and your passions and your ideas and your experiences and your aspirations, and also about how earning your MBA at Stanford will enable you to realize your ambitions. So what's really helpful for us are the reflective and insightful essays that help us envision the individual behind all the experiences and accomplishments that we read about elsewhere in your applications. So we really, the, we have a place for you to record your accomplishments and your impact. And so it's really revealing who the writers are as people that is helpful for us. So I want to emphasize that essays aren't the entirety of your application. As you mentioned, we look at the the whole thing. So mm -hmm. you, you don't have to put all of your accomplishments in your in your essay. <laughs> in fact, our goal for reading the essays is to understand the world and how how you see your the world 
and how you've become the person you are today. So when you think, think about your authentic self, write about yourself, don't write for admissions and what you think we want to hear. We want you to share who you are and to take the time to reflect on one of life's most important questions, what matters to you most and why. Yeah, so that is a perfect segue um, because I wanted to dig a little deeper into that question because, um, you know, the, the the first essay, which just in case our listeners haven't seen it, it's what matters most to you and why. And that question has been kind of the mainstay of your admissions process um, for many years. Like it's an essay that's unchanged, um, at least so far as I can recall. It's been more or less the same wording for a long time. And I just wondered, like, what what do you and your colleagues like about this question? And how do you find it helpful in the assessment process? Yeah, well, I, I alluded that in the, in the previous answer um, where um, I talked about accomplishments versus who you are. So mm-hmm. we sort of think about the what what you've done and the who, who you are. So we really get the what from other parts of the application, like resume, letter of recommendations, and we have an opportunity for people to write about um, various different impacts they've had. That's an optional section. Mm -hmm. Then in the what matters most to you and why, we like to learn more about who you are. And I like that question because it helps us understand um, your values and passions and, and importantly, the perspective you would bring to the GSB community. We're really looking at the, how you would contribute to the, to the class. Mm-hmm. And that's why we really encourage people to, um, to reflect deeply and, and write from the heart. Yeah, and I just want to go back to what you said earlier, which is think before you write. I feel like this is one of those essay topics that really requires that. And I think um, I said someone on your team at some point said this idea of like maybe taking some time and keeping like a running list or a journal of like just things that have happened in your life that are important to you, um, and looking at that list and and seeing if something comes out of that before you kind of start just trying to figure out what is it that matters and start just writing. Right. You know, so this idea of doing almost like a personal inventory or something. Um, So yeah, yeah, appreciate you (laughs) um, shedding some light on that. I did want to turn to the interview um, process um, at Stanford. I mean, any tips on, I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, the file goes through a review and then some candidates, the strongest are going to be invited to interview, but how does one prepare for that interview and what, what should they expect as that kind of piece of the process takes place? Well, as you, as you said, we review the applications and then we may invite you to interview. And we really look at the interview as a great way for us to learn more about um, the applicant and for the applicant to learn more about the Stanford GSB. So typically a member of the alumni community or a member of the admissions staff will ask questions that will help us evaluate uh, your candidacy. Mm -hmm. And, you'll have the opportunity to ask questions as well to see if the Stanford GSB is the right school for you. So our interviews primarily focus on understanding what you've done and also how you've done it. So we really look for sort of professional, meaningful professional or community-based experiences that, mm-hmm. that, the, um, that you can talk about. And really um, what is very helpful is to talk about specific examples. So um, when you talk about something, 
talk about not only the what, so what did you do, but the so what. Mm -hmm. Why did it matter? What impact did it have? What did it change? And then once you've talked about yourself, um, you can really think about other ways you've impacted others. So have you had experience? Have you taught someone? Did you innovate in a way that will last after you've moved on? So really thinking about how you have impacted the organizations that you've touched. And then finally, no, that's that's okay. Just finally, I was going to say, like, think of some questions you want to ask the interviewer because our alumni, our alumni, you know, are interviewing because they want to give back to the school. And one of the ways they can give back is to share with um, our the people that they interview um, insights they had about their GSB experience. Yeah, I think it's it's actually sounds like a really great opportunity in terms of connecting you know a prospective student with a graduate of the program um, to get that insight. I love that line that you just said about you know it's not just the what it's the so what. Um, that's a great great way to think of it um, in terms of sharing experiences. I guess one question I had before we move on, I did want to understand and. You know, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but just do the alumni like what do they know when they sit down with a candidate? Like, have they have they read the entire application, or is it more like they have a resume? And and so, if that's the case, can the candidate speak to things that are in the file, or is the idea, oh no, only cover new stuff? Like, how what? How about that aspect of this? Yeah. So they they have they see the resume. Okay. And what what I would um, say is that. During the interview, um, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about, mm-hmm. um, knowing that the interviewer has only seen the resume. So if you want to introduce a new topic or something that's not on the resume, it might take a little bit of right. context okay. to understand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Very helpful. Um, I want to ask also if you have any advice. I mean, you you know, you're overseeing a couple of different programs, right? You have the MBA, and and even within the MBA, there's some people applying via deferred enrollment. Um, we also, before we kind of came on air here, we talked a little bit about your MSX program, and so I just wondered: is there any advice for candidates who are looking at these other paths, um, you know, to 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 study kind of management at Stanford? Sure. So. Let's start with um, the deferred candidates, so deferred enrollment candidates. Sure. So the if 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 someone is a college senior or a graduate student who's begun a master's, a PhD, a law, or a medical degree in the academic year immediately following their undergraduate program, mm-hmm. then they can look at deferred enrollment. So deferred enrollment is really designed for individuals who haven't started working full-time after university. Okay. So what, what I guess I would offer some advice while they're in school, and that is to really pursue academic areas that are most interesting and engaging for you, um, and then to get involved or step into leadership roles in organizations, again, that are meaningful for you, because there are lots of different ways that you can demonstrate leadership. Um, it doesn't have to just be in a professional setting. It can be in, a, in an academic or a community setting as well. Okay. And then if there's the opportunity to su- uh, explore career interests through internships, that's also another great type of experience to get um, for our deferred enrollment candidates. Um, we really look at um, how um, our applicants pursue opportunities 
um, that enable them to build expertise, enhance skills and knowledge, and expand their perspective. So that's something to think about if, if you're thinking about implying, uh, applying as a deferred enrollment okay. candidate. Um, yeah. So. I think, I mean, I, I guess one of the things I'm thinking of is, and I think you're, you're sort of saying that the lens is, shine, it sort of shines a little bit brighter on, you know, the undergraduate experience, because that's what you're kind of working with when you're assessing someone for deferred enrollment, right? They haven't been out in the in the workforce. And so, but I, I guess what you're saying is, you know, often we do hear from younger candidates or, or current college students, oh, how am I going to have the leadership experience that, you know, someone who's been working for four years at an investment bank or at a tech company, um, and it sounds like you're very willing to look at, you know, what they've done on campus and the way they've gotten involved there, which is terrific. Um, do you want to talk at all about the MSX program? And I mean, that's sort of a different path too, but I don't know if you wanted to say anything about it. Sure. The MSX program is a program for, it's, it's, a, it's a master's of science and management for experienced leaders. So it does require a minimum number of years of work experience. Mm -hmm. You have to have over seven years of work experience. And it's really for people who, rather than taking a full two years with an internship, are looking for a way to invest in themselves for a year. Okay. It's a it's a four-quarter program, and it's the opportunity, say, you are moving along on a pathway, you want to round out your skill set, so maybe you, you've, you're an engineer and you've been in engineering roles and want to take that step to management and really want to round out some business skills or some leadership skills. The MSX program is a great opportunity to do that. Um, they... The MSX program starts in the summer quarter, so the first quarter um, they've got the campus to themselves, uh, <laughs> and then they're joined by MBA students and join clubs and take classes together with MBA students, so it's more of an integrated experience the, the last three quarters there on campus. Got it. Okay. So I guess between deferred traditional MBA and then MSX, you kind of cover, you know, the kind of younger to older um, range of the spectrum, which is great. Um, I guess I did want to ask um, if, you know, is there anything else that you like wanted to share about, I mean, I assume, you know, we're post COVID, I assume everything's kind of open again on campus. Everything's kind of back to the way that it was more or less, and people can come and visit. You're, I presume you're regularly doing kind of info sessions or there's a campus tour, all that kind of stuff is ongoing. You're right. We are having campus visits and um, and class visits. So that is starting up as well. If, if you can't come to campus, though, don't I hope people don't feel like that's a requirement. We really are just making that available to uh, people who um, have the flexibility to come to the campus, mm -hmm. um, but it in no way is um, noted as a part of the application. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we're just really excited to actually see people live and in person again. <laughs> I'll bet. Well, yeah, one thanks. thing, um, yeah. our, our interviews will stay virtual. We just found that that, that leveled the playing field and we're going to continue to do that. Yeah. And actually, I think a lot of um, leading MBA programs are continuing with, you know, virtual interviews. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, I appreciate you clarifying that, you know, campus visits not required. Um, obviously, if you're in the area or, you know, can do it and have that flexibility, great. Um, having been to your campus, I will say it's 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 gorgeous. Um, it is really inspiring to come. So if people are able, it's always nice to, to see it up close. Um, I did want to say 
say, Jamie, so you said you said a ton of light on your process. And um, I think there's just a lot of great nuggets for everyone who's tuned in today. I did want to ask if you'll play along. We have this fun kind of lightning round of questions that we always like to do with admissions directors. And the reason we do it is just so that, um, you know, applicants can better understand that you are a regular person um, and not some kind of, you know, gatekeeper or what, <laughs> or something. So um, if you'll play along, I'm going to, we'll do these kind of rapid fire um, and just see what you have to say. All right. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. I'm taking a deep breath here. <laughs> okay. All right. So first one is coffee or tea? Oh, well, that's an easy start. Coffee. All right. Uh, beach or mountains? Oh, definitely. Another uh, easy one for me, beach. Oh, interesting. I thought you were going to say mountains because you did do some, mm -hmm. you mentioned to me you were doing some traveling over the summer that involved hiking. So I wasn't sure, but I, I guess did, you're yeah. Yeah. living in California, probably hard not to say <laughs> beach. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, morning person or night owl? Well, I am a night owl, although I must say I'm trying to shift to be more of a morning person. And yeah, it's never too late. <laughs> full disclosure, we're doing this pretty early for you. So I, I do appreciate that, especially now that I know <laughs> that you're a night owl. Um, all right. What about a pet peeve you have? Ooh, my pet peeve is when people use apostrophes for plural words. <laughs> okay, excellent. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, guilty pleasure. Ooh, uh, I guess I would say, since I'm spending a lot of time reading in the office these days, um, afternoon snacks in the office, preferably chocolate. <laughs> excellent. Uh, what's your favorite virtue in others? I would say, I would say true kindness. Okay, excellent. Um, what about a happy place, somewhere that you just love to go? Um, yeah, where, you, where you're, you're in your, uh, in your element. <laughs> well, no surprise, given that I'm a beach person. Um, my happy place would be a sunny day on a boat in a bay where the water is warm and clear. Excellent. <laughs> um, what about a comfort food? And you can't say chocolate because you, you just used that before. <laughs> no, can't say chocolate. My comfort food is paella. Oh, wow. The Spanish rice dish, which I love to make and I love to eat. <laughs> yeah, that is delicious. Now I'm hungry. Um, all right. So <laughs> how about like a, a proudest moment? Well, since we're talking about Stanford and the GSB, I would say if I go back a while, my proudest moment was when I uh, got... Uh, when I found out that I had been accepted to the GSB, that still that feeling still sticks with me. But then if I think more recently, um, I have two adult daughters and I would say um, I'm always proud when I'm with my daughters and seeing how they've grown into thoughtful, engaging and compassionate adults. Okay, excellent. Um, any regrets? Like, is there, you know, something you wish you'd done differently? <laughs> well, fun fact, I try to live my life without regret. Um, and that doesn't mean that I haven't made mistakes. Um, there are definitely things that in retrospect, I, I could or should have done differently. Um, and as time passes, I don't really mind revisiting those decisions, but I like to think of them and think about where they led me and what lessons I've learned and how they've impacted future decisions that I made. Okay, that makes sense. And also it's kind of useful, I think, for candidates who are thinking about writing essays about failure or, you know, for you know, many MBA programs ask about, you know, um, learning, learning experiences. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's great. What, I've had a what lot about, of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about a superpower that you wish you had if you could pick one? Ooh, um, 
well, sort of related to having adult daughters and, and family out of the area, I guess the superpower I wish I uh, had was that I could travel at the speed of light and be with um, people I love at a moment's notice. Oh, that's great. I often feel that way too, because I yeah. live overseas and yeah, the ability to kind of get somewhere faster would be nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Two two more fun questions here. The, the, the first one um, is, which part of the Stanford admissions process would you <laughs> most like to skip if you were applying today? Well, I can tell you what I'd be tempted to skip. Um, and this may resonate with people who have applied or are applying. Um, and that's the application form itself. So <laughs> many people focus on their essays and they save the form to the end thinking they can just kind of, you know, do it really quickly. Um, but it's actually really detailed. So it's, you know, it may be kind of a pain, but um, on the positive side, um, it gives us the opportunity and gives the applicants an opportunity to share more context about their accomplishments. So even though I might be tempted to skip it, I'd tell people, don't skip it. <laughs> so you're actually underlining a really great admissions tip that we talk a lot about. I think there's um, like a little article about this at clearedmit.com, but I think you're right. People spend all this time on the essays and they, they think about preparing for their interviews. And then like the eve of submitting the application, they remember that they have to fill out what they think is going to be like name, address, maybe like upload a resume. But in, as you point out, in reality, it's a little more involved than that. It is. And you know, one of the things I've been learning and talking to folks like yourself is that when you pick up the application to read um, virtually, I guess, because it's online and things, but when you're reading it, a lot of that data form stuff is kind of the first stuff you might see. And so it sort of sets the stage for the essays that follow and everything else. So I think you're underlining a great tip, which is do not leave <laughs> the data form for the end. Um, all right. The last thing is totally just fun. I, I do this more for my own selfish um, interest, but what's the best thing that you read, watched, or, or listened to recently? Yeah, well, the thing that I've, the book I've read recently is one that really stuck with me. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a definitely an investment, but it's, um, it's the Ministry for the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson. Hmm. And I, it's, it's intense. It's a really intense book and, and it addresses an important topic, which is climate change. And it really vividly, illustrates the impact of climate change on the planet. There's sort of a first scene of the book that you'll never forget. Um, and he also, the author also offers some out-of-the-box ideas that do give a little glimmer of hope to hang on to as well. So it's intense, but I really like the, the bits of, of optimism and creativity that come throughout the book. Excellent. Um, that's great. Appreciate the tip. Um, Jamie, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know you're in the middle of reading applications and it's like we're in the middle of the admission season. So thank you so much for making some time to chat. Um, it was just a pleasure to connect and, and hear all of your advice. Thank you, Graham. I enjoyed it. Um, all right. So everyone, please stay tuned to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast for more admissions director Q&As, as well as our weekly wiretaps episodes. And as always, thanks for rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen.